This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. So I want to talk a little bit for two minutes about something that I said last week. I want to clarify it. Um, and then I want to talk a little bit about that subject, and then we'll go into this week's parasha. So I said last week, I talked a little bit about depression. And I said that just like when a person is thirsty, his mouth is telling him that his body needs water. And just like when a person is hungry and his stomach's growling, his stomach is telling the body, is telling the stomach to tell the brain that the person's body, his left toe, needs food. It's not the stomach that needs food. It's the whole body that needs food. So when a person is depressed and in depression, it's the neshama telling the person that I need food. I need a connection with a Baruch. I need a connection with, with God. So that's what we spoke about last week. I got a lot of emails. Um, and there's one thing that I picked out of the email that I think I need to be, I need to clarify. Not all cases of depression are coming from the neshama. There is sometimes a chemical, physical chemical imbalance in the body that needs to be treated with medicine. That depression is not the depression that I spoke about last week. That, of course, if it needs to be treated with medicine because there's a chemical deficiency in the body or medically the doctor feels that for whatever reason that the depression is not coming stam on a healthy person, right, who I'm talking about a healthy girl or a healthy boy. that You're healthy, but you're just depressed. Life is miserable. I don't want to get out of bed, and I'm depressed about life, and I don't know why Hashem put me here, and I don't know why Hashem created the world, and I'm just depressed. No doctor said it's chemically something wrong with me. I'm chemically doing perfect. My bloods are good. Everything's good. So that person has to know that that's a, that's a bell that is ringing, that is ringing, that is saying that the neshama needs to connect with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Not always when your mouth is dry does it mean that your body's thirsty. If anybody's you should know from it, but a person who's a diabetic, right, many times your mouth is dry. The body's not thirsty. They have plenty of water in their, in their system. But chemically, they're thirsty because diabetics are thirsty. So, to tell a diabetic, you know, when your mouth is dry, don't take your medicine, don't take your insulin, because when a mouth is dry, it just needs water, is, a ba- is the wrong call. A diabetic, when their mouth is dry, means their sugar is not in the way it's supposed to be, they need to take insulin. So I want to clarify what I said last week. What I was talking about depression last week, that doesn't need medicine, or therapy is depression that's on a healthy person that just just doesn't like life, just not happy with, with what's going on, and just doesn't want to get out of bed. That is a warning signal from the neshama that you are bored and you are depressed because you are totally disconnected. Now, many times I get emails and people leave me messages or write me letters that we had a fantastic share, and you said last week, that depression many times is a symptom that you're disconnected with Hashem, but you didn't tell us how to connect with Hashem. So very nice. You gave us a diagnosis. Who wants to go to the doctor and get a diagnosis? And then when you say, what's the medicine? The doctor says, oh, that I'm not telling you. Maybe sometimes you'd rather not get a diagnosis. So last week we had a little bit of a diagnosis that many times we're down 
because we're disconnected, but Rabbi Wallstein did not tell us how to connect. So I want to teach you something today that I learned a very long time ago. And I happen to have spoken this morning at a girls' school, and I mentioned this to them also, and I, it's, an inter- it's an interesting thought, very out of the box. Well, you know where I, where I come from, so it's a very out of the box thought, but I think it's very important. We find today that very, very much um, the world is going to atheism. And even in the Yiddish world, in the Jewish world, kids who go to school and go to yeshiva, I know of a situation where a teacher got up in front of a graduating class of probably a hundred girls. And the teacher asked one of the students, tell me your relationship with Hashem. And the student said, I am the wrong one to ask. In front of the teacher in the class. And the teacher turned to the rest of the class and said, how many girls in this 12th grade, and we're talking a very religious girls' school, how many girls in the 12th grade feel like they're the wrong ones to ask? And 45 hands went up. How could it be that in a religious girls' school in New York, coming out of 12th grade, which means you're almost finished school, which means you had early childhood, elementary school, and you had high school. How is it possible that so many religious, so to say, girls can say that I'm the wrong one to ask about my relationship with Hashem? It's very easy. I'm not going to ask anyone in this room. I have a relationship. I have a relationship. What does that mean? What kind of relationship? How much time do you spend on that relationship? What's your understanding of that relationship? So I thought about it, and it's very connected to what I'm about to tell you. And there are a lot of kids, a lot of people, me, myself, as a kid growing up, I I didn't, I wasn't sure there was a Hashem. I had questions. People have questions. They can only teach you in school enough to keep you blinded enough. You know, that's the way it is, that's the way it is. But Lemaise, a human being, thinks. And people have questions. But today, for some reason, the Jewish girls and boys have more questions than they ever had. A lot of questions. If Hashem exists, if I, and why is He so mean, and why does He do... So many questions. So people say, no, 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 it's not any different. In the old days they had questions, they were scared to ask. Now they're not scared to ask. I don't believe that's, I don't believe that's correct. I believe in the old days they didn't have so many questions. I want to tell you why. I gave a speech about cell phones today. It's very connected to... Yeah, it's very connected. I think mine's on also. I didn't turn it off. Um, very connected to cell phones, what I'm going to tell you. Is it off? No. It was on silent. I don't if I turned it on silent. Okay, Baruch Hashem. So, I want to teach you a new trick. And I want to tell you why people are, are depressed and people are far away from Hashem. In the old days, in the old, old days, about 200 years ago, old, old days, or maybe a little longer than that, before machines were created, before technology. So a person went out every day, and he went into the fields, and he planted things, and he watched them grow. And for things to grow, you have to doubt to Hashem that it should rain, and there should be sunlight, and there shouldn't be locusts. And if you had a cotton field, there shouldn't be boll weevils. I remember that from school, right? Funny little bug that used to eat cotton called a boll weevil. 
and the farmer had to daven and daven for all kinds of things that his old horse shouldn't drop dead because it's the only horse he had, and that the, 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 the chicken should lay eggs, and that the cow should give milk. So automatically, the human being was very connected to Hashem. Because he always had to go to Hashem and ask Him for all kinds of different things. Today, we're not connected to living things. We're connected to machines. What's the difference between a living thing and a machine? So we learn in Kabbalah and in many Svarim that every living creature in this world and every living thing in this world has a soul. Not everyone is a human soul, there's an animal soul, there's a plant soul, and there's even a soul in what we call daimen, in a rock. I mean, there's a soul in a rock, Rabbi Wallstein. There's going to be a soul in a rock. And the answer is that everything in this world that Hashem created has a neshama. Now, how do you know there's a soul in the rock? So you take a seed and you put it in the ground. What's the ground? Dirt. What gives that seed the power from the dirt to grow? That's the neshama that's in the, what we call in the daimen. Now in that neshama in the ground, so to say, which is on a very low level neshama, it's not a human neshama. That very low level neshama gives the power for this plant to grow. Now that neshama is connected to that plant. Now that plant is growing, that plant has a soul. And um, the rabbi that I spoke from last week, from Breslov, who was here, who spoke, so he told the girls in my high school, I don't know, it's the African something plant. He said that a proof that a plant has a soul, there's a certain plant that if you, if you buy two of them, and one of them you talk to every morning, and you talk to it nicely, and you say, good morning, I hope you grow well today, here's your water, I hope I'm quenching your thirst. You look like you're in Meshuggah, you're talking to a plant. Right? But you talk to that plant, he said, they did it. They, sh- they proved it. And you talk to that plant every morning. The other plant, you totally, do- you, you give it water, you don't talk to it. You don't say one word to it. Once in a while, you yell at it. Stupid plant, what are you doing in my house? Within three weeks, that plant is dead. And that plant is giving flowers. He said, anyone who wants to see it, he'll tell you which, which plants to buy. I can send, you can find out, and you can try it at home. Now, what does that mean? That means that, that if, you, if you could talk to a plant and cause it to get flowers and you could talk to a plant and, and cause it to die, that means that there's some type of low-level soul in that plant. So the, 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 the daimim is the bottom of the ring. Then the shama goes up into the tameach, into the plant. Along comes a cow or a chicken or whatever. A cow comes along and he eats this grass. Now that neshama is in the cow. It went all the way from a daimim to a tzameach to a chai. Along comes the sheichet. He shechs it. It's in glatmart. Piece of flocking. Goes into your chilling pot for Shabbos. The human being eats the meat. Now the neshama that started off in the ground that ended up in the plant, chagadya, that ended up in the cow, is now ended up becoming part of the human being's neshama. That he was ma'alit, he brought it up on, on, on Shabbos or Yontif, or he made a bracha on any fruit or anything that grows, any apple that grows, you brought, it, you, you brought in that neshama. So when you make a bracha on something, you're being mekayim, the, nish, the neshama that's in that apple. I'm not talking about a gilgal that's in the apple. I'm talking about the actual tzemeach, the actual, the actual plant. So therefore, so therefore, machines 
don't have neshamas. A cell phone doesn't have a soul. A computer doesn't have a soul. A television doesn't have a soul. Most of the things when you walk out of this room that you will see with your eyes has no soul. The concrete on the floor has no soul. Your car, thank you. Just put behind me, thank you, appreciate it. My Tzadikistan. Takes care of me every week. You hear? Get into a car, has no soul. You're going into a building, has no soul. All the things that grow in New York City, you don't get to see them that much. Now, in Shmir Asenayim, and what a person sees with their eyes, so it's brought down, why does a person have to have Shmir Asenayim? Be very careful what you look at. Okay, I looked at something I wasn't supposed to, and now I'm not looking at it anymore. How does that have an effect on me? Shmir Asenayim, more than what you hear, or more than what you eat, Shmir Asenayim, it's something that a person has to be very mocked on. You can't learn Torah. I just told the boy today, he says, I keep learning. I keep learning and nothing goes into my head. I can't. What's wrong, Rebbe? I'm like, what do you watch at night? Tell me what you watch at night. And when you tell me what you watch, I say, <laughs> if you watch that at night, what do you think? Yeah. You think that Torah can go in? Why? Because the person's eyes, person's eyes is the window to your soul. That's why a girl is never allowed to look into a boy's eyes unless it's her husband. Because a person can hurt you very much by looking into your soul. They can put part of their soul into your soul. And if someone ever tells you, I want to look into your eyes, not my eyes. Chas v'shalom. Nobody's allowed to look into your eyes. It can be very damaging. Your husband can look into your eyes. That's it. I know this for a fact. I can tell you for a fact. I don't want you to practice it. But if you look at someone's eyes... And you concentrate, you can mamish go into their soul, and you can mamish know what's going on, close your eyes and know exactly what's going on, what's going on with that person. Therefore, when a person looks at something, whatever you looked at on the screen of that television, it didn't just bounce off, it went into your soul. There's a thing called to be mabit. Mabit means to steer. To steer. I hate to say this on, on, in, in a share with such holy people, but I'm sure some of you girls have walked down the street in Manhattan or in Brooklyn. There's a bunch of guys standing on the corner, right? And they're staring at you as you walk. What, what is that guy getting from staring at me? I'm not going to go out with him. Not, for sure not. I'm not going to stop and talk to him. What is he getting from looking at a woman walk by? And the answer in the Kavayoshi is that he's getting a certain satisfaction. How can you get a satisfaction with your eyes? It's your eyes. How do you get a satisfaction? He says, because he's taking that picture and he's bringing it to his tummy soul and that tummy soul gets satisfaction by looking at girls walking down the street. So the Kabbalah goes even further and he says, if a person's not sneeze and he looks at a part of your body that's uncovered, then he, ha- he-, he has an effect on your soul. Sendali. Co- I don't know what that means. Sendali was a hypnotist who was a satanic and he had a kayak by looking at your... Looking at right, someone. and affecting you. The Kavayasha speaks about it, before him even. So, there's a koyach in a person's eyes, but I don't want to talk about the bad side of it. I want to talk tonight about the good side of it. So I'm going to tell you how to get out of depression. Something you never heard before in college, coaching, therapy, or anywhere. I'm going to give you a big insight on how to get out of depression. 
being that you have a neshama, and being that everything Hashem created has a neshama, you need to bring healthy neshama food to your neshama. How do you do that? You wake up in the morning and you go to the beach. You don't have to go to the beach. You can go to Seagate, wherever. And you watch a sunrise. A sunrise is a maizah from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But you don't just look at a sunrise. You take it in. I, you know, it's a big crowd, so I can't really teach you this, how to do this one-on-one. But you take it in into your soul. You go to a flower store for Shabbos, and you don't just glance at the flowers. You look at the flower. You look at the beauty of the flower. You think for a moment before you look at the flower that Hashem, look what He made in a rose. There's a hundred petals, and they're all together, in this, and the color, and the, and, and, and the thorns, and the whole thing. You, you don't just look at it. You mob it. You stare at it. And you bring it into your eyes and into your soul. <coughs> Sunlight, flowers, colors, things that Hashem created. Now, what did the Satan do? The Satan said, I want to starve their souls. How am I going to starve their souls? I'm going to, I'm going to create a television, a DVD, a movie. They're going to sit and the expression is, stare, stare, not look at, the screen for two hours. Why not look at the screen for two hours? Because when you watch a movie... The entertainment field wants you to stare at it. They want you to take into your soul all the stuff that you're watching. But into the holy part of your soul, there's nothing holy there. There's no neshama in a movie. So you say, I went to the movie, I watched it for eight hours. Even to watch flowers on a movie screen for eight hours will not help you. Will not help you to stare at a flower on a movie screen and say, I'm taking it in because it's not real. Because it's a machine. It has no neshama. A flower on a movie screen has no neshama. A flower on a paint, on a painting, has no neshama. A flower has a neshama. So when you take a flower, instead of just looking at it, instead of just looking at Hashem's bria, you have to be mabit. You have to steer. You have to take the object. You can, you can do this, by the way. I do it all the time. You can take an object, and I can look at my hand. I'm looking at my hand. But I can look at my hand... And I could take my hand into my eyes and into my soul. Everybody in this room can do it. It just takes a drop of concentration. Not during this year. So, for instance, for instance, I brought my little samples. Didn't come, didn't come stomp unprepared. Yes, it's real, of course. If it's not real, it has no soul. It has no soul if it's not real. So here's a rose. Look at this. This is like, this is like, this is crazy. They go run to see the Mona Lisa in France. They go to, you go run to see the MoMA. You should go, I'm running to see a MoMA. Somebody copied the rose. I want to see someone who copied the rose. Oh my goodness. This is the most, the greatest artist in the whole world made this. Look at this. And Hashem made this for who? For me. Just for me. Not one. Thousands. Not one color. Thousands of different colors. One rose. Now, you can look at this rose and it, you're not going to get anything from it because here's the rose. You looked at it. What did Rabbi Wallstein show? He showed a rose. But if you take this rose and you look at it and you connect it to Akash Baruch Hu, that he created such a beautiful thing, you can look at this rose and I can take this rose and bring it inside my soul. And anyone who can take a rose and bring it inside your soul will never be depressed. You can't be depressed. Because this is medicine. This has a neshama in it. 
and I'm taking the neshama of this rose, which is a beautiful neshama that Hashem created, and I'm bringing it into my neshama, so my neshama is not hungry. So when I go to a flower show on Shabbos, and everyone's running, and rushing, and buying, and eh, and then and asking the guy, you, you like it? You think it's good? Put it together with me. Eh? I'm like, you're starving. It's like gulping down a bunch of food that doesn't have a chance to be digested to go through your system. Pick up the rose and look at it. Look what Hashem made. And you're getting the neshama from this rose that's going into your neshama. And it's not just a rose. It's a glass of water and understanding what the water is doing in your body. It's an apple and looking at the color of an apple, picking it up. And that's why it says, you think the Chachamim just said things? The Chachamim said that when you buy for Shabbos something and you say, look, covered Shabbos Kodesh, it's going to taste different. Well, what is that? What do you mean it's going to taste different? It's going to taste different to you. When you say, then what you're cooking becomes part of your, is, part, is the food for your neshama. And it connects you to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So you can be mabit something bad. You can look at a picture, not actually a picture, you can look at a person or other things that are bad and you can be mabit, you can stare at it and bring that poison into your soul. You can go around and look at, and watch the news. It's all a plan of the satan. It's a plan of the satan, girls. The news is always bad. It's never good. You watch it, you listen to it, all this bad goes into your soul. Of course you're depressed. They tried, they made once a channel on television, only good news. It lasted two weeks. All the advertising companies took the advertisers. Who wants to hear about people getting being born? Who wants to hear about a bar mitzvah? Who wants to hear about good things? Death, crashes, blowing up, airplanes crashing. So if that's what you're bringing into your soul, then you're wondering why all the Jewish kids and everybody in the world is depressed. So if you want to know how to get out of your depression, stop looking at the fake things. Stop looking at your cell phone, at your text messages, which are dead, which is a piece of metal, which has no life whatsoever. You don't make a bracha on it. It has absolutely no kedusha in it whatsoever. It's totally man-made. There's nothing that that text message can do for your soul at all, in any which way. When a person speaks to you, and when you ter- when you talk to a person, when you're a medaber, then there is nafshek shur benafshay. There is an exchange between two souls. When you talk on a cell phone, there's no exchange whatsoever. So of course you're depressed, and of course you're disconnected from Hashem, and of course you don't want to get out of your bed. Because your neshama is the thing that's alive and you're going into a world that's dead. A car that's dead, a bus that's dead, a train that's dead. You're reading a book that's dead. Everything you're doing is dead a whole day. And all of a sudden you want to know why your soul is dead. What did you do for your soul that day? So in the Torah, it's brought down in Kabbalah that Hashem put a neshama in the Aleph and a Beis and a Gimel. I'll read you next week that Rizal on it. That every letter in the Aleph base has a soul, has a special Kedusha. So thereby reading... The letters make your neshama alive. So the sultan came along and said, so I'm going to come up with an alphabet. But what the people don't know is that in an alphabet there's no kedusha. The aleph base came from Shemayim. The aleph base Hashem used to create the world. So whatever was used to create the world is in the world. So the aleph base, when you learn a pasuk or read a pasuk, that's food for the soul too. Because that's what was, those were the letters that we used to create the world. But if a whole day long, all you're connected to is man-made things, then of course you get up in the morning and you, you don't feel well. And you're depressed. All you need to do is watch a sunrise. 
All you need to do is to walk into a flower store and be mabe. Look at it different at this flower. What's up with this thing that Kosh created just for me? It feels like plastic. It feels differently than this, even though they're both red. So not only did he make it different color, it's a different red. Try to copy these reds. Try to copy a, ro- a red of a rose. Try to copy what it feels like. I have felt many copies of roses when you try to buy flowers, fake flowers. They can't copy a f- the real feel. The minute you touch it, right, you can look at it and be fooled. The minute you touch that fake rose, it's like, eh, 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 eh. That's not real. Because that's man-made. This is not. This is made by God's hands from the beginning of creation. And he gave us a chance to have this. And we're busy watching machines. We're busy with machines. And then, right, whilst there, I don't know why I'm depressed. Of course you're depressed. Of course you're depressed. You don't watch a sunset and a sunrise. You don't, you're not mobbing. You don't look at Hashem's creations. So... Why shouldn't you be depressed? So this is just a continuation. It's not the parasha. It's nothing to do with the parasha. It's just a continuation of what I told you last week. I told you the diagnosis. Rose on the floor, huh? No good. Sorry, I put it in my lapel? Okay. <laughs> By the way, we're auctioning off the rose. Used in the shear for Pasha's Toldos. We'll put it in the book. It's worth, worth a lot of money. Anything, anything that's man-made, you cannot get any, you cannot get any kedusha into your soul from anything that's man-made. In the, in listening on the radio to the Except one thing. Music, which we, music, which we learned came from Ganeiden. I told you a long time ago that music, that when Adam left Ganeiden, he asked Hashem, if he could have one thing that he could take out of Ganeiden, and he was given music. That's what he was given. So music is also very special, very precious. But of course, right away, the Chamoirim came and made music, rap music, and all this other garbage, which you take that into your soul. There's no way, there's no way that you can be happy. There's a thing, there's a thing called, there's a thing today called rave. Rave is, I know some girls that go to rave. Rave is music um, in a room, in a big room. A bunch of people go into the room, and they have a beat, and it's just banging in your ears, right? And everybody's just jumping around and dancing like a bunch of Michigan. Okay? So I asked this girl, so you come out of there happy? She goes, what happened? We lost, we lost the... Uh... I said, you come out of there happy? She goes, you can't... What do you mean you come out of there happy? You can't go to rave and enjoy it unless you're on drugs. Unless you're high. No one in rave is not high. They're all high. So I'm like, so, so don't you realize this is the house of the satan? If you have to go in there high and you're just jumping around, it's not real. I myself have to tell you, I'm going to admit to you, you're my therapist every week. Baruch Hashem, you're so many of you, so I only have to give each one in like 40 cents. But I have to admit to you something about myself. She, she wants it right, to be on call. I don't want it to be on call. I'm saying it because it's not. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. So I growing up, I'm a drummer. And I growing up, listened to rock and roll. And it wasn't rap. There was no such thing 
as a curse word if you would if you would translate the word Gehenim, if you use that word, there was one song that used that word, Gehenim, in the song. They took them off every record rack. Serious. In the United States. That word, Gehenim. Okay? So, what was I listening to already? But I was listening to, and I was a drummer, and I absolutely loved the music. I'm not going to lie to you. I loved the music. And I thought it made me feel good. The Doors, the Beatles, the, you name it. Stuff that you would, you know, to you is like boring, stupid, whatever. But, I, you know, it came to, it came to December 31st at night, and they had the 100 top, top songs, right? The countdown from number 100 to number 1, New Year's Eve at exactly 12 o'clock, they hit number 1. Like a, like a masmid. Every song I listened to. And not only that, I knew them all. And I knew each one, I knew each song, and I knew the album, I knew the album cover, and I knew the, the, the song. And I gave it up. I gave it up. And I thought it was one of the biggest korbanos I brought to Hashem. Because from that music, I liked some really good stuff, I thought. From that music, to come to Jewish music, or the carbon. <laughs> for me, I'm talking openly. For me, it was a sacrifice. It was the Pirche Boys Choir... Jep, Jep's best songs, Shlomo Kalbach, who didn't sing, he just talked, right, <laughs> told stories, I'm coming from Led Zeppelin and the Beatles, I'm listening to Shlomo Kalbach, so I said, okay, I'm giving up my rock and roll, but I'm not getting into Jewish music, no way, <laughs> no way, it's boring, it's, it's every, every song sounds the same, they just change the words, so then they came out with schlock rock, and all these other, where they would take English songs and put in Hebrew words. And I said, that's, that's totally stupid. Because the English song, right? If you're going to play the music of the English song, then it's an English song. Let the song be with the right words. What are you putting in Hebrew words for? You know? Under the chuppah they did. Under the chuppah. I'm like, what under the chuppah? What, 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 it's a Beach Boys song. What are you putting under the chuppah in a Beach Boys song? What are you doing? Right? Yeah, you listen to Jewish music? Listen to Jewish music. You listen to Gaish music? Listen to Gaish music. But don't listen to Gaish music with Jewish words. The Gaim never took their music and put Jewish words to it. And they never took Jewish music and put English words to it. So what are you doing? So I really felt that that was like the top of my sacrifice. Because I didn't realize that there was anything wrong with it. What am I listening to already? Hotel California. There was nothing, nothing crazy. Baruch Hashem, you know, so I stopped listening to rock and roll. Totally. In the car. No records. In CVS. I wouldn't stay extra long to hear the end of the song. I was done. I was done. One day in Eretz Yisrael, I came to a tzaddik. He was suffering very bad, but he used to make a malava malka matzah shabbos. He had like three hundred candles in his, all kinds of candles he lit, whatever. And the boys from Mir Yeshiva who were not married, it was a whole thing that you had a school. If you went to him for that matzah shabbos from malava malka, that you'd get married that year. I was already married, whatever it is, but I wanted to go see this this scene. And I walked in, and it was amazing. It was like the house was a, a teeny little house in an apartment, and it was burning. Everybody was schwitzing because there were hundreds of candles. So the next day, I wanted to come for a bracha to him. So I came to his house, and I saw him. I came into the room, and he was learning. And behind him, there was music playing. 
I don't know, Israel, whatever, maybe Pirchei, whatever it was. It's an older man. He was like 80 years old and he's learning and he has music in the background. Pirchei, you know, whatever it was, Miami Boys Choir. So I asked him, I said, why is the Rav, can I turn off the music? He said, no, don't turn off the music. So why is the Rav listening to music while you're learning? So he opened up Medrash Rabbah and he showed me that no Navi was able to say Nevi'is except for Moshe Rabbeinu without music. It's a Medrash Rabbah. Nobody. It's brought down by Chabak book, I think. Nobody, no Navi could say Nevi'is without music. So what does the Medrash Rabbah say? It says that the music elevated their soul to a level that they could receive Nevi'is. So he says, I always turn my music down low, but I'm always learning while the music is playing in the background. I was like, whoa. Whoa. You think this man loves Pichai, whatever, Miami boys? But music has a shenari de I got to start listening to Jewish music. And I started listening to Jewish music. I want you to know. This is already, since I've stopped listening to Jewish music, must be 15 years. And I didn't start listening to Jewish music till eight, nine years ago. And I still couldn't get into it, but I started to listen. And I'm not advertising for him. I want you to know there have been days in the last month that have been very hard days for me. And I felt down. Hard days. We're all human. I get into my car. I pop in a Shweki. The last Shweki that just came out. There are three songs. One of them is Ain't Old Novado. I come out of that car on a high. Like, I, I can't explain to anyone. There was never a rock and roll song that ever did that for me. Yes, I listened to them. Yes, I knew them. But I never walked out on a spiritual high from a rock and roll song. Never. And I thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu that I guess I had to be clean out, went out of the garbage for a while. But I thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu that my neshama finally connected. And that I could listen to three songs. And, and, and Mamish Eno Movado, he's got, he's, got, he's got two other songs on that tape that I have. Uh, Mamish can go from zero to a hundred in that music. Why? Because it's being sung by a frum person. And when he sings his music, his soul is in that music. And when I listen to that music, my soul connects to his soul, and that music is feeding my soul. So I can walk in, my soul is starving, I can walk out after that. And then you start listening to, vac- to the vacus. And then you start listening to all this music, where these people are singing, and they mean it, and it's slow, and it's mamish, you wa- it changes your whole being. It changes your whole being. I never in my life would have would have... 15, 20 years ago told you that I'm going to get into a car and put on a shweki and walk out a different mamish like Superman. Walking in like Clark Kent and coming out with a flying in the air. From a song. Now you may not like shweki, but there's something in some song, some with Jaguna Light, listen to Jewish music, cut the garbage. Cut the iPods in your ear listening to hip-hop. But, but, that is the Satan's music. And just like Adam took music Jewish music from Ganeiden, the Satan took the other music from Gehenna. And he used to hide it in rock and roll. So when we were kids growing up, we thought, eh, it's okay. But now his jig is up. Because if you listen to rap or hip-hop and the whole black culture music, there's only one place that that can be coming from. The Tehoim of Gehenna. The lyrics, kill your mother, then shoot your brother. And see if you can kill another. And everybody's walking around. Wow! 
Wow! And I'm, I'm using clean language and, and, and good thoughts. So now we know where it's coming from. We didn't know when I was growing up. I thought, the Goyesha music, you know, maybe like, you know, in the corner of Ganadin somewhere, they had like, you know, coming. Now we know at 100%. And, and all our Jewish girls are walking around. And this is what they're listening to on their iPods, walking down Avenue J. They're listening to hip-hop. And then the next morning, I'm depressed. I'm depressed. Of course you're depressed. If that's what's going into your soul, of course you're depressed. How could you not be depressed? So you ask me about a person's ears? Of course it has an effect on a person's soul and a person's eyes. But a person's eyes are still the window or the closest thing to the soul. How careful a person has to be of what they look at. And look at a Kodesh Baruch Hu's Bria. You want me to prove to you? I'll prove it to you. We know it says that a pregnant woman is not supposed to go to the zoo. No, absolutely not. A pregnant woman, a pregnant, well you never heard this? A pregnant woman is not supposed to go to the zoo and look at animals, especially monkeys. Because it can, no, don't laugh. I'll show it to you in Svarim. Because it can affect your baby. Absolutely. You're not allowed, a pregnant woman is not supposed to go to a zoo. Now, let me, let me, I have no problem, I'll print it out for you and I'll, and I'll give it out next week so you can see where it's written. A pregnant woman is not supposed to go to a zoo because if she's mobbed, if she stares at an animal, if she stares at what, the baby's going to be born with stripes? If you stare at a zebra, the baby's going to be born with stripes? No. But, since your eyes are the window to your soul, and that baby now is in you, so your eyes are a window to the baby's soul. So if you're going to look at an animal and you're going to stare at it, you're going to take in the chash And that's why, by the way, you're not supposed to look. I'll show it to you in Svarim. You're not supposed to look at a chazir. Why can't I look at a chazir? What, I'm looking at a pig. What does it do with me? And the answer is that would you look with your mabit when you stare at it, right? My grandchildren, I didn't even know about them. I was going with somebody and my grandchildren wouldn't do whatever. And then there was a bunch of pigs. I was like, hey, those are a tray. And he goes, no, 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 take them away, take them away. I'm like, what do you mean? I just want to teach them. Those are he said, they shouldn't look at it. Because it'll affect their soul. The person looks at a chazir, it, it's a kavayasha, by the way, it affects your soul. You so if, that? what? Yeah. Like I don't know, picture. So I don't know the picture business, but for sure, for sure, for sure, a live animal. Why? For what, what are you worried about? It's an animal, I'm a person. I'm pregnant. What does that have to do with it? Because when you open your eyes and you stare at an animal, you are taking that soul into your soul. Chas v'sham to take a chazir soul into your soul and chas v'sham to take it into an innocent soul of a child that has, that's mamish, that's mamish sensitive to anything. So we know from this week's parasha, we know actually from next week's parasha, maybe it's this week's parasha, that when Yaakov Avinu, no, next week's parasha, when Yaakov Avinu took the animals and put the striped sticks in front of them, their babies all came out striped. What? You take an animal and it looks at a striped stick and it gives birth to a bunch of zebras? He knew that. It was a present that Hashem gave him. Lavan didn't know this, but Yaakov Avinu knew this. So when they went to get drink water, when they went to get their water, and that's the place that they used to reproduce... So there were all these striped sticks and dotted sticks all over the place. 
so that when they reproduce, that's what they were looking at. And that's the soul, that's the picture that went into their, to their body. These are low life, these are low line behaviors. And they all came out striped. The eyes of an animal have that power on the animal. Imagine the eyes of a human being. How careful a person has to see. But on the other hand, if you look at Hashem's Bria, the beauty of a fruit and the beauty of the colors and the beauty in the flower store and the sunrise and all, and you look at a tree and you look at a rose and you take that into your neshama. Ah, you get part of that healthy neshama, that good neshama. You're going to be a new person. I'm telling you, you're going to be a new person. Mark Gruber said that if you hug a tree, you can lift depression. I know one that's someone that said if you hug a tree, you're going to get splinters. <laughs> if the tree hugs you back, it ain't a tree. All right. All right. Yes. Sorry. I was just wondering, like, you might get my soul in there? I don't know. There's no question. Okay, I'm going to answer your question, which is, by the way, a proof to what I'm saying. And I'm going to answer it with a, with a, you, you may, you, a mamash, a proof to what I just said. She asked, what about watching a shear on, on screen? Or listening to a shear? So I can tell you this. There are people in this room right now, there are people in this room right now, who have internet, and who can watch my shear on the internet. And I have asked them, a lot of girls, this room used to be, you couldn't get into this room. There were four, five hundred every Wednesday night. I went out to Torah anytime, Baruch Hashem, I made a decision, it's not about me, it's not about the room, it's about how many people can learn. This room can fit five hundred. Torah anytime, there's a hundred thousand hits. A hundred thousand hits to watch a shear. I'm not gonna worry about how many people are in this room. It's more important that people see the shear. So if, there's a, if this can get to 100,000, and because of that I lost 300 girls who are sitting home right now, right? Or tomorrow I'm going to watch my shit. They're going to say, what do I have to come in for? Sit and drive from here to there. And I want to have to come into the shift. I'm going to watch on tour anytime. And I could stop, and I could rewind, and I could look. You know? So I asked the people that come, why do you come? Do you know what they told me? They said, Red Wallstein, I watch you on tour anytime. I don't walk out. I hear the same words, but it affects me when, I, when I'm here in the room, and you're talking to me. When I watch it, 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 it goes into my brain. That's how much the Russian they use. It goes into my brain, but it doesn't go into my soul. It only goes into my soul when I'm there. Why? He said the same thing. Because I'm a human being, and therefore when I'm giving a share, it's going out of my soul, it's going into your soul. When you're watching me, it's not going. It's going out of my mouth. And it's going into your ears. It's not the same. There's no question. I know that myself. When I go to a live shear and I'm learning the daf yaymi in front of my rav, I walk out understanding it and feeling it. When I listen to his share, I close the Gemara, I heard it. I might even know it, but I didn't feel it. And that's what the cell phone's totally destroying. Relationships with friends, relationships with peers, because you don't feel it. You don't feel it. It's not a neshama. You know, I told you, this week's Pasha, you die me day Esav. The texting is the hands of Esav. Kol kol Yaakov, when you talk to someone, it's the voice of Yaakov. We don't, we don't communicate with, with, with sending little digits on a phone. Because they don't, you don't make a bracha on the phone. They have no life whatsoever. When you say mazel tov, when I would come over to say, mazel tov! I heard you got a mazel tov! She feels that mazel tov. It makes her happy. If I text her mazel tov, <laughs> I told her mazel tov, it's the same mazel tov, she doesn't feel anything. That's the difference. And the Yetzirah decided he's going to destroy all of that. So we're going to sit all day in our metal things and then we're going to get depressed. Because our whole life is man-made. 
man-made has no neshama. There's nothing that man ever made that has a neshama. That's the difference between a kashbaku and a man. You can make a rocket ship, has no soul. There's no bracha on a rocket ship. Now, you can tell me, I say tzvul sederach on my car. You don't say tzvul sederach on your car. You say tzvul sederach on the derech. You say tzvul sederach on you. Not in your car. If I'm in a different car, I say tzvul sederach. If I'm in the bus, I say tzvul sederach. If I'm in an airplane, I say tzvul sederach. It's not about the car or the airplane. It's about me. There's no bracha on anything man-made. You try to find me something man-made that you make a bracha on. Yes, there's mixtures. Water with this, you make a shahakal. With the water I could have made. So now you're mixing it with uh, some other stuff, some chemicals. And tackle all these chemicals, we know, kill you. You drink enough Diet Coke and... Uh, They'll tell you, you, get cancer. They gave it to a bunch of mice and, you know, that phenylacolin, whatever it's in there, right? Phenylacolin, whatever, whatever it is, right? My mother always said, if you can't spell it, don't eat it. <laughs> all the fake in the world causes all kinds of diseases. So, this wasn't even my share tonight. Look what I'm doing. I'm, I talked an hour. Oh, my goodness. wasn't even my share tonight, but I, I really wanted to finish last week's share. So, my advice to everyone in this room is, you want to get out of depression, if you're in depression, or you want to get happier than you are, watch a sunrise, look at a flower, look at a fruit, look at a fish in a fish tank, go to a pet store, look at a beautiful fish, Shem created that you don't even get to see. It's under the ocean, right? Not the one I took out of the thing and let him hop around. That was, wasn't fair. By the way, they're doing Baruch Shem great. Put them in the fish tank. There's so many things that Hashem created that we can make a bracha on. That goes into your soul. Stop with all the man-made machinery. Stop being mabit. If you want to be mabit, if you have to steer and, and intake something, intake the beautiful things that Hashem created. Don't chas v'shalom intake things, pictures that you shouldn't be looking at. They will destroy you. They will destroy your soul. They will cause you to be depressed. These things that you think are going to be happy. I'm looking at this on the line. I'm lying on the line. I watch this DVD. I watch this. It's all fake. Even the emotions on the movie screen are fake. They can't help you. They can't help you. Watch the happy movie. You think you're happy, not happy. Because that's all fake. It's not real. They can't go into your soul. They can't help you. It's not food for your soul. It's, it's mud on your soul. Life, real life, is the greatest movie of all. And everybody's walking out of that movie going to the fake. Where if you turn on the light, you don't see the movie. A movie belongs to the Sutton. How do you know? Because you can only watch it in the dark. The Sutton represents dark. Go to a movie theater and flip on the lights. They'll shoot you. <laughs> Why? Because when you flip on the lights, there's nothing on the screen. That means when there's light, there's nothing on the screen. It's only on the screen when it's dark. So who, who's movie theater? Who does that belong to? It belongs to the Sutton. That's Hollywood. That's entertainment. That's all that stuff is... It's fake. It took me a very long time. People ask me, how you, you know, you're always happy. I'm not always happy, but I'm not happy. I don't do drugs. I don't take pills. I don't even have a therapist. <laughs> why am I happy? Why is Rebel Austin happy? You know why I'm happy? I'm happy. I'm serious. I'm happy because as much as I can, I look at what Hashem created for me. And if you know that Hashem created it all for you, it just makes you happy. It makes you happy to go on top of their mountains and look at 500 miles of trees and mountains. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. And people can actually look at that. I had kids on a trip that went with me and said, what do you see, Rebbe? What's beautiful about a bunch of trees? Those kids live in their cell phone, in their Blackberry, in their movies, in their Gigi, whatever that is that you play with, right? In their machines, so they can look at trees and say, Rebbe, that's boring. 500 miles of trees. I'm like, oh my God, every tree is a little different. Look what's going on here. Look at this mountain. Look at Hashem. And they're like, Brooklyn boys. Like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Yankee Stadium's nicer. 
<laughs> has no neshama. Connect to things that have neshamas. Connect to healthy things. Don't chas v'shalom steer, be mabit at things that are bad because that will go into your soul and it's going to hurt you. Steer at all the good things. And the best thing to steer at, which is the biggest refuel for anything, is Hashem's name. Yud K I have one in my office, I have one in my house. To always be trying to look at Hashem's name. Because when you look at a Yud K and you're mobbing and you stare at it, you can take Hashem's name in your eyes and into your soul. And you can mobbing, I'm right now looking at a Yud K inside me. I see a Yud K And everyone else can do it. I'm not, I'm not a magician. You could all do it. You just have to concentrate. Everybody in this room can, can, can close their eyes and imagine Yud K and can take it from here and bring it into here. And that is crazy medicine. Yud K is crazy medicine for a person's soul. It's mamish rotor rooter. It pushes all the garbage out. It's amazing. It's amazing. So, for all of us that are not so happy with our lives or happy with ourselves, my advice is to look at as many things as you can that Hashem did for you and created for you and the beauty of a person's body, that everything works, that you come out of the bathroom, you say, Ashiyotza, whatever that, whatever, and, and just focus on that. If you focus on that, you're just going to be a happy person. Because it's amazing what Hashem did for all of us. It's amazing. Okay. What's left to say? So I had all kinds of stories to tell you tonight, but I guess it's not meant to be. Um, so I just want to take, touch Pasha's told us for a moment. I want to talk about Rifki Main for a moment. So I told the girls in seminary yesterday, why does it possibly have to tell us that Avram Heilet is Yitzchak? We all know that Avram Heilet is Yitzchak, right? It says Rashi. Rashi says that the, the jokers of the generation said, let's see. Sorry, Maina was 90 years old when she was married to Avram. She had no children. Now she spent one night with Abimelech. Oh, she got pregnant. Must be that the child that she's pregnant with is Abimelech, not Avram Avinu, says the Torah, not Abimelech, Avram gave birth to Yitzchak, says Rashi, Hashem made a miracle that, that Yitzchak was born, he looked exactly like his father, he looked exactly like Avram, so nobody could say it was Abimelech. I want to ask all you girls a question. I want to ask you a question. Last week's parasha, two parashas ago actually, so it says, B'yoyim hi gomel es Yitzchak, when Yitzchak stopped nursing from his mother, it's brought down in the Gemara that a child cannot learn Torah until he's able to eat chita, until he's able to eat food. As long as he's nursing, he cannot be makabal Torah. So the minute Yitzchak finished nursing was the biggest day for Mavavina. It meant his son can now start learning Torah. To him, that was his whole life. So he made a huge party. Now, everybody didn't want to believe that Hashem did a miracle, that a 90-year-old woman got pregnant. So all the women said, Ah, scam. Jewish scam. They went ahead, they adopted a baby at birth from some woman, and Sarah and Avram telling everyone it's their child. Baloney. It's not their child. So Hashem made a miracle that on the day that they made this party, Sarah Imenu was able to nurse all the non-Jewish children that were brought to her. Hundreds Thousands of children. For every woman that said, we don't believe that a 90-year-old woman had a child, she said, give me a baby, I'll nurse. Now, if she can nurse a child, it means she can have a child. We all know that. 
So it was a very big kiddush. Hashem that day, it's brought down, she nursed thousands of children. So everybody knew that she had a child. Now explain to me. And it's brought down in the Zion, I believe, that the Gerim today, the non-Jewish people who become Jews, why would a non-Jew, well, this person became a Jew and this one not? Why? She says every child that was nursed by Sari Menu, his Gilgul Gilgul will come that one day he'll become a Jew. Because to be nursed from a Tzedekist like that, right, have just, Moshe Rabbeinu got one drop of milk from Batya, who was a guy, or not from Batya, from one of her maidservants. So Hashem, that drop landed on his tongue. So the Medrash said Hashem had to burn out his tongue where the drop landed. Because he could not talk Torah with a tongue that had one drop of Goyish milk on it. So Hashem made the whole thing with the fire, with the charcoal, not because Hashem had nothing to do with himself. He did it to burn out with the charcoal, that spot. If you get a Yunika, if you get nutrients from a non-Jew, it can affect your Neshama in such a crazy way, it's not normal. So Hashem had to burn it out, that spot, otherwise he wouldn't be able to ever talk Torah. The other side, sorry, on the other side, on the other side, sorry, man who nursed these kids, and he brings down the Zoya that because of that, one day that kid, the Gilgal, will become a Jew. Being nursed from a Tzadikistan. That's the Koyach of, 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 of Kedusha, and that's the Koyach of, of Toma. So the question is like this. They saw, they saw that a 90 year old woman could have children. A miracle from Hashem, a major miracle from Hashem. Why isn't everyone, why didn't all those people become Jews? If, if I brought you a 90 year old woman right now and said, my God Hashem came to me, she's 90 years old and told me there's gonna be a miracle. Next year at this time, she's gonna come back to Arnava with a little baby, and you're going to see Mamish, you're not going to believe it, you're going to want to see if it's a pillow or not, you're going to see you get five months, six months, seven months, you all want to be in the delivery room, we'll bring you all to the delivery room, right, you're going to watch a 90-year-old woman give birth, you're all going to say, now I believe in Hashem. 90-year-old, is that a 50, a 90-year-old woman? Ah. How come all these women that had, sorry, men who at 90, nursing their children, did it become Jews? Because it takes one let's, it takes one joke, even if it isn't true, to throw away everything. So Rashi says that they said, okay, nine years old, she had a baby, but we know who the father was. Finished. Garrus gone, seriousness gone, the miracle Hashem did, all gone. Because they made a joke. It wasn't Avi Melech's kid, but they made a joke out of it. Once they made a joke, you lose the main point. That's why I'm very careful in my stories. Right? That when I repeat a story, I try to make sure that it's exactly the way I said it last time, even though I'm not very good at that. But I also try to make sure that if it was, a, if she was wearing a white dress, the next time I tell the story, she's still wearing a white dress. Because if I say she's wearing a gray dress, then no matter how good the story is and, and what the point is and everything is, you're going to sit there and say, doesn't mean anything to me what he just said, because she's not, he said last time it was a white dress, and this time he said it was a gray dress. Who cares what dress she was wearing? Doesn't matter. Your Yetzirah will find the one point, in the whole story, that's a little bit different, and he'll blow out the whole Musa. How many times have all of us in this room heard a good shear and a good Musa and read a good Musa, and there was one thing in the shear that was, uh, and we're not so sure. The whole thing goes to the garbage. It's a sultan. Over here, Rashi's telling us, this woman gave birth at 90, she's nursing kids at 90, instead of them saying, oh my goodness, we should become Jews, they're like, aha, uh-huh. but Avi Melech was the father. 
That's what they're focusing on. They missed the whole Pasha. They missed the whole thing. Because Baruch Hu said, I got to make Yitzhak look exactly like Avraham Avinu. And that's what he did. In our lives, nothing is perfect. But instead of trying to find the one thing wrong so that you can get away with all the right things, dismiss the one thing that might be a little bit wrong in the story. And hop onto the right things. Because if you dismiss the right things because of that little thing, you should just know it's a Yetzirah destroying everything that you tried to do. All right. So we'll end. We have bracha. I didn't get to my next week in Mitzvah. Um, a very Nehudik Akasha. A very unbelievable Akasha in this week's parasha like this. It says that, well, he writes it to Habban and Bikir, but by the way, remember last week I said that she was, Rivka was, was, um, Rivka was Chava? So, Itaka, but he writes to Habban and Bikir, but was the good and the bad? Because it was, it was me that connected me that this would happen to her. Why? Because when she ate from the tree, everything was good. She brought back Bain Toiv Lira. Remember in the Pasik that the, the, the Nachash said, if you eat from the tree, then you'll know Bain Toiv Lira. So the Nachash's bracha to her came true. She ate from the tree, she became Rivka, and now she had two children. One was Toiv and one was Ra. And she surely knew the difference because she told Yaakov to go steal the Bechayra from Esav. So Chava, you wanted to know Ben Toiv Ra. When you came back as Rifka, oh, you're going to know Ben Toiv Ra. But you're going to have one that's Ra, and that's the punishment from eating from the tree. If you would have left the tree alone, it would have been all Toiv. It would have been just Yaakov. But Rifka was a big Tzadikistah. She gave up having the Shvatim. She was supposed to have the Shvatim. And when she said, Lama Zeh she said, Lama Zeh Hashem, I don't want the Zeh. Zeh is seven and five, it's twelve. I don't want the Shvatim. Because she was scared when she found out, when, when, when she realized it was bad and good, she was scared, I'm going to have six good, six bad. I don't want to bring six good, six bad. She said, I don't want the Shvatim. Lama Zeh Hashem said, okay, you won't have the Shvatim. You're not going to have any more children, just these two. And the Shvatim went to Yaakov Avino. She was a big tzaddikist. She didn't want to have any more children because she was scared. If it's being toivel around, half a good and half a bad. So I have two. So one good and one bad. But I don't want to have 12 where six are going to be good and six are going to be bad. So she gave up talking to those children. But the question is very simple. The question is, what kind of question was that? And this is what I want to leave you with to think about. What was she asking? What, what's this me? What's, what's happening to me? What do you mean what's happening to you? You were never pregnant before. The kid's kicking. It hurts. So what are, you, what are you going to ask a rabbi? Go ask your friends. Hey, you, when you were pregnant, did it hurt? You, when you were pregnant, did you hurt? What did you do? Hot water bottle, laid on my left side, stood on my head, whatever, right? You're a woman that's pregnant. What are you coming and ask a rabbi? Go ask your friends. Go ask your friends, what do you do when you're pregnant and the kid's hurting you? What's this? You're going to tell me why is this happening to me that I'm in pain? Chas v'shalom. Rivka's going to complain to Hashem. She davened. She was, she was an akara. She couldn't have children. So now she's pregnant after all these years. She's pregnant. And it hurts a little. So she's going to go to Hashem and say, why'd you do this to me? What do you mean you asked me to get pregnant? She didn't complain about that. What she was asking was neiridik. She said, I asked my friends. 70% of the women that were pregnant went through a tough pregnancy. They were throwing up. They're going through tough stuff. But 30% said, pregnancy? My pregnancy was easy. I didn't even know that I was pregnant. Right? I would say probably 70-30 in pregnancy. 70 suffer and 30 go through pregnancy like, wow. So she asked a question like this. She said, why am I in the 70? 30% of the women don't have any pain. Now, if I have pain, I know that nothing has to do with nature. Nothing just happens. I'm Rivka. Nothing just happens. So now, 
In school, you never, you know, they had that flu, that, that HIV flu, right? So some kids in the class got it, and they said, why'd they get it? Because the flu spreads. But why did some kids in the class not get it? Why did this girl get it, and the girl next to her did not get it? If the, if the reason that they got it is because the flu spreads, then how come it didn't spread to her? So Rifki Imenu was saying here in the Pasuk, to all of us in this room, including me, nothing naturally happens because that's the way it is. If a woman's in pain, it's not because women who are pregnant are in pain, because there are women who are pregnant who are not in pain. Which means that I'm in pain, I'm part of the 70% that's in pain for a reason. Maybe I didn't have Vera, maybe it's a Kapara. There could be a million different reasons why I'm in pain and this person is not in pain. But it's not just because I'm a woman who's pregnant. There's no such a thing. Because there are women who are pregnant that are not in pain. So, but she, she said, Why am I part of the women that are in pain? But I'm not going to go ask a doctor. And I'm not going to go ask a bunch of women. Because the reason I'm in pain has to be spiritual. The reason that I'm not part of the 30% that's not in pain has to be spiritual. Who do you go to ask if it's spiritual? She went, She went to Yeshiva to ask the rabbis. Rabbi, the rabbi could have just said, What do you mean? What's your problem? What's your problem? You're pregnant, you're in pain. Have a nice day. Go home. You know, take two Tylenols. She knew that she's going to the rabbis with the question, Rabbi, why am I in pain? Why am I in the 70% and I'm not in the 30%? To find that out, you have to go Lidrush Hashem. No doctor, no friend can answer that question. You gotta go ask. You gotta go through your mycin. You gotta go through your day. You gotta go through what you're doing in life. You gotta try to figure out, I, the person, you know, hey, it's, 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 it's a plague. Everyone has strep. Everybody has strep. So people walk and the doctor's office, oh, is a, is strep all over the place? And they walk out. This doesn't do with Hashem. Flappers right now has a problem with strep. Chas shalom. Because there are a lot of kids in Flappers who don't have strep. A lot of kids in school who don't have strep. So even though it's all over the place, but this kid doesn't have it. Why not? Why am I part of the kids that do have it? There's a reason. And that's what she asked. She said, Lama ze why me? Not, not in a complaint, in a learning. I want to understand why me. So if someone's going through something in life, it's not just because she's a teenager. It's hormones. There are a lot of teenagers with hormones that are not going through that. Sure, she's, uh, you know, she's depressed. Every person goes through what they go through, even if you think it's a nature thing. But you could not be going through it, even though it's a nature thing. Every person is because like Baruch Hu has a plan for every single person. So instead of just brushing it under the table and saying, well, everybody has it, you have to figure out why am I not part of the people who don't have it. And that's how a person goes into themselves and finds out and does tshuva and does what the Chavetz Chaim always did. They, at the end of the day, they try to figure out what they did that day. And then they're able to figure out why I fell into this bunch and I didn't fall into that bunch. That was Rifke Meno. That was Rifke Meno. She didn't accept her pain just because pregnant women have pain. She said, if I have pain, there's a reason. Everything that happens is hashkacha, special, a special hashkacha on every single person. It doesn't just happen. And that was Rifki Imenu. And that's why she understood that the bracha for Esau that, that Yaakov was going to give was not to, not to be had. She understood that everything that happens in this world happens for a reason. So, give everyone a bracha that the shataka only be trying to figure out my bracha to you. I think it's a pretty big bracha. The rest of your life, you should just be asking Hashem, all the good things that you're doing to me, 
Why do I deserve it? That's it. I don't understand. I'm in the percent that has everything. Why do I deserve it? You should only be asking why the good things are happening to you. Because in Mitzvah Hashem, there'll be no bad thing. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.